It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants Mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Happy Wednesday, everybody, and welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmelk, Super Bowl champion, David Deal with me. I should say two times Super two Bowl time. champion. I apologize. <laughs> As he hold, I want to say Dave held up the number, number two. He did not. I did not. No, but we are with you at 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants chat. It's Wednesday of game week, Dave. It's finally here. We've been waiting for this for months, previewing the season, and we're finally, so we can start talking about a real game here, man. Finally. This is what we've all been waiting for, the 2021 regular season. And uh, what better way than to start off at home September 12th in front of a packed stadium at MetLife Stadium, which I still call Giants Stadium, uh, with a, a great way for this Giants organization and football team to start off in year two with Joe Judge. No question about it, Dave. Let, let's talk about it a little bit. First, Joe Judge did speak to the media at around noon today, right before we came on. A few notes. He says everyone will do something in practice, whether team or individual, except for Evan Ingram. He's going to be off to the side. I was going to say, does that include you? No. (laughs) Everyone on the roster, Dave, and the practice squad will be doing something in practice, um, except for Evan Ingram, who's going to be off to the side working. They still do trainers will look at him. Maybe they'll up his action tomorrow. We'll see how that goes. But everyone else is going to do something. Specifically on Saquon Barkley, he said he's looking for three different things this week. One, how he reacts to working three straight days in practice, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Two, today's a padded practice, how he reacts to a padded practice in contact. Three, how his explosion and speed and change of direction ability is continuing to progress. Mm -hmm. And then he said he's looking at it from a larger picture here where they're going to do not necessarily what's best for Saquon and the Giants in week one. Their main focus here is his long-term health to make sure he lasts the entire season, Dave, and is good to go. Now, if I know Saquon Barkley, and I think I do, he doesn't give a two-year no. what's about that. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he wants, wants to, to be play. out there in yeah. week one. So from a player perspective, talk about how they're handling this and what you think they're going to do with Saquon especially given the fact they got a quick turnaround with Washington in week two. You know, every professional athlete and football player has that warrior mentality that they want to be out on the field regardless of what they think. 17-game schedule, you know, coming back from injury, and you know that he's been itching to get back out on the football field from all the rehab work and everything he's done throughout the offseason. He just wants to get back to do what he loves to do. But at the same time, that's why there is a medical staff and a, a coaching staff that's here to think long-term, to think a 17-game schedule, which is different than anybody has ever faced before. And when you talk about running back and the hits that accumulate throughout a season, especially a dynamic one like Saquon Barkley, the most imperative thing for this Giants football team is to be healthy down the stretch and down that playoff push when we're getting into December and January, especially when we're talking about the NFC East division. If you look along, along the landscape of the NFL we know that they've added a wild card team, but let's just be frank here. That wild card team is not going to be coming from the NFC East. I mean, it's going to be, be coming tough. from the West or the North. I mean, the West right now has three teams that are pretty much looking like playoff contenders. Now, let me do a quick counter to that, Dave. Okay. Not everyone in the West can win nine games. Exactly. Right? Agreed. Not everyone. Yeah, they play so, each other twice. Correct. They go through it. Yep. I agree. I think you can 
maybe you know put it in ink is strong, but you can pencil in three teams out of the NFC West. I yeah. think I feel pretty good about that. I think you do too. Yep. I think that third wild card team is interesting, and I was yeah. we actually did predictions last the last last week, and I had it down to three different teams. I think the Saints are still a team you have to talk about, Absolutely. right? Sean with Payton. their defense, yep. yep, agreed. I think the Vikings are still a team that's Sneaky in the mix. Team, yes, I agree, and then I think. The other team I would consider is either the four team from the NFC West, which I think is probably going to be the Cardinals, yeah. in my opinion. And then I do think there's an ouch. Do you think it's impossible that there's a team that wins the NFC East with 10 wins and then there's a second place team with nine? I think it's possible, but I just think when you look along the landscape and when you look along the NFC East right now, we know that seven wins this year is not going to get you into oh, the, no, the playoffs. No, 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 no. It's I'm not talking gonna, nine. Yeah, right. we're talking nine, and we know that that's not the case here. I, I just think, like I said, with the way that the West is loaded up, and like we said, talking about teams like Minnesota and New Orleans and other teams that are sitting there at the cusp of it, that's where right now for this Giants football team, take care of your own business. Win the division outright yourself sure. and guarantee your chance into the playoffs. The last thing that you and I have talked about, and we've been through this before, going back to even last season, the last thing you want to be doing is on week 18, sitting there thinking, okay, we need to win. We need this team to lose, <laughs> that team to tie. It never works out for you. That Absolutely. Way. No, Dave, you're 100% right. All right, a couple other injuries just for the fans. It looks what? like Kenny Galladay is going to practice. You feel good about that. Yep. Uh, Joe Judge did say he thinks Kadarius Tony has the opportunity here depending on how practice goes, to have a significant role. And he defines significant role as the opportunity to make a major impact. So he's yep. not counting that in terms of number of snaps. So if he's your punt returner, you know what yeah. that is? That's an opportunity to make exactly. a significant impact. Yep. So that's what I think the Tony role is going to be, Dave, and maybe just a handful of offensive snaps here in specific situations. Is that how you view it too? I, I do as well. I mean, obviously coming off of injury, especially being a rookie, it's going to take some time to get up to speed with the timing of the routes and mm -hmm. all the different precision coming off of the in and out of breaks and where you got to line up, all the different personnel groups that you're going to roll out. But with that said, we know he's a player that can take a five-yard slant, 70 yards to the house. Yeah. Those are the exciting things that Kadarius Tony brings. And when you think about Evan Ingram still with the being unknown right now for the game, Kadarius Tony can be that X factor to where you're not chasing yardage on second down, where you can get that quick slant. You can utilize him as almost as an extension of the run game and yeah. get those easy, easy yards. And the way that Big Fangio plays his defense – there are times where they out leverage themselves on defense to where if you do have, you know, the end around or have a little gadget play, it can really open up some things for you offensively, especially when you're talking about the inside zone running scheme and the way that they can be over aggressive and overflow on the defensive side of the ball. Well, Dave, before we get to the Broncos, I have you on the show. The offensive line has obviously been the topic du jour for, for most of this offseason, and I would be remiss if I it's didn't. It's been the soup of the year, not the day. <laughs> the soup du jour, the soup of the year. Try last seven or eight years, I by know. the way. Yep. So I'm just going to be as broad as possible, and then I'll follow up as needed. Dave, what do you think about the Giants offensive line heading into week one? <laughs> well, that's pretty broad. <laughs> you know, obviously, the, the good thing is, is that all of these guys got a ton of work together. I think the way that they addressed it with Rob Sale, Coach Wilkerson, and then with Coach Flaherty, three offensive line coaches, you know, you saw throughout, whether it was OTAs, minicamp, training camp, 
they were constantly working on their techniques and fundamentals, constantly working on double teams and footwork or hand placement. Now it's taking all that work that you've done to the practice field and bringing it to the game field and doing it during live action. The big thing that I want to see out of this group, especially in this game up against the Denver Broncos, from them to uh, Daniel Jones and to the running backs, communication. Now, when you think about Vic Fangio's defense, they're not doing a ton of complicated things, but they make a lot of 3-4 and 4-3 looks look the same based upon the way that they shade their three technique or the way they shade their nose. Sometimes he'll be a one. Sometimes he'll be a two eye on the inside eye of the guard. And it's communicating because if you look from one side, it looks identical, but you could be looking at something completely different on the other side. So that's one thing when you know when you talk about Vic Fangio, it's identifying three down, four down, identifying the middle linebacker, where the strengths is, where the weaknesses are. And then that comes up more so even on third down. Third down is one of those areas that they look like they're bringing a lot of stuff, but at the end of the day, it's only four or five with just one additional rusher. One thing that we know that they do is they'll play four, two, five wide. So they'll have four down linemen. They'll walk up their two middle linebackers into A-gaps opposite the center. So there's two linebackers in the middle A-gap. So number one, they're trying to take the chip from the running back. Double mug, right? Double mug, yep. yes. They're trying to take the chip off of the edges so that both Von Miller and Bradley Chubb get free releases. And then also they're making the running back be responsible for protection and not getting out on the route. But what happens some of those times on the snap with those two Muglick linebackers, those two linebackers are going to drop out. They're going to drop their weak side defensive end. They're going to rush those three defensive linemen on the interior. And now all of a sudden you're going to get a corner cowboy blitz from the opposite side. So essentially they're bringing pressure, but they're only bringing four guys off of it. But when you look at it and the play clock's going down, okay, there's two mug. They're not showing anything else. we got to take the chip off of the running back. There's so much that goes into it that just know your rules, know your protections, and stay true to them and make sure if everybody's on the same page because – if everybody's on the same page, you can't be wrong. Why is that called the Cowboy Blitz? Uh, just Corner Cowboy. It's just okay. one of the things. That, no, yeah. that's fine. Yep. I was just, just curious a quick for way my to education. Say yep, yep. Excellent. All right. Last question on the offensive line is I don't want to get probably a million calls on it too. How much, if at all, should sirens be going off for Giant fans about the offensive tackles after what they saw the last couple weeks in preseason and training camp well obviously nobody wants to see your quarterback pressured and get sacked or any of the things that took place during training camp but the thing that I'll say just in regards to Andrew Thomas if I was the offensive client line coach and I'd be sitting here talking about going up against Bradley Chubb and about Von Miller number one Bradley Chubb is a power rusher you know he wants to take you down the middle or he wants to take your inside shoulder but if you underset him, he does have the ability to rip the edge. His whole poise is, I'm going to try to push this offensive tackle into the lap of the quarterback. Now, on the other side, Von Miller Opposite. wants to work all speed. He wants to rip edges. He wants to run the arc. He wants to set you up with, it's almost like a Euro move that sometimes he does, the inside to outside to get your feet locked like he think he's going to an inside move. Now, all of a sudden, he spins to the outside or he does that dip and rip through. Those are the things that make those two players effective. So that when it came to Bradley Chubb, I'd say stay inside out, keep your pads down low, and make sure with your inside hand you get a good inside target on his inside shoulder so you can lift him up or you can press him by if he makes an inside move. 
Von Miller, you've got to restart and redirect him with your punch. You've got to be aggressive. You've got to stay inside out. And it's almost with him, it's point peck. You're thinking near point, outside peck, because that's your way to control him, especially when he's one of those dip and rip guys. If you don't push him directly into the ground when he's doing that dip and rip and he has his hands planted, you're essentially propelling him with the way that you punch him right into the quarterback's legs. And he has so much bend, it's hard to push him around the quarterback. Exactly. That's why you've got to push him directly into the ground. So for Von Miller, restart his rush. Be aggressive with your hands. Stay inside out. And know that when you have him and give him a one-way rush – you could ride the bull for two seconds. You can run him by, and you can get him by the quarterback. But if you get beat inside, there's no turning back. What do you think the Giants would do at right tackle? On the unofficial depth chart, Nate Solder's there. Matt Parrott was there for most of the preseason. Yeah. Is this going to be a rotational deal, you think, which is kind of what we saw last year with Cam Fleming and Matt Parrott? And do you think, against a guy like Von Miller, that Nate Solder is the play here in week one? I would play Nate Solder, just the veteran experience, knows how to set up pass rush moves, knows how to counter moves and use his hands in different ways instead of having him timed up the same exact way. But I would not be surprised this season if Matt Pert wasn't not only just used in a rotation at the right tackle position, but also at jumbo tight end. If you can get another big body out there and run two tight ends with him and Kyle Rudolph or Evan Ingram. Especially and, since Toy Lolo went out for the injury. Because especially he was the guy. since Toy Lolo's yeah. out. That gives you another area to where not only can you get the run game going, but you can max protect, mm. get the other tight end out. So there's a lot of ways that you can manipulate the game plan and the defense to it. All right, we already talked about the Broncos' defense. Let's now talk about their offense very very quickly. But first, actually, we should talk about the revamp secondary. Okay. Because the Broncos' secondary last year, a lot of their numbers in their rankings, they look poor. They gave a lot of big plays. Yep. But it's a whole new group, Dave. They yeah. basically only have one cornerback back in Bryce Callahan. They bring in Fuller. They bring in Ronald Darby. They yeah. draft Patrick Sertan the second. And all of a sudden, this looks like it could be one of the best secondaries in the league because you still have Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson, two great safeties back there. Yeah, no doubt about it. When you look at their safeties, they're not only an integral part of the coverages, but in the run game, those safeties have run fits that they play a little bit lower down in the box but have to be athletic enough to get back into coverage. So that's why when you see Vic Fangio's defense on the back end... Because he, lot, wants, he wants those two safeties. He's going to show too right? high all the time. Yep. You're going to see two safeties back, but that doesn't mean they're playing cover two or cover four. Right? They're showing you pre-snap and what you're going get post-snap is going to be completely different based upon the movement of the front and how they're going to try to bracket coverage or move it around, play man zone. That's the one thing, like we said about Vic Fangio, it's not overcomplicated the way that he runs it, but he just disguises things very well in the yeah. way that he does it. So that's why it's going to be imperative for this secondary and the Giants wide receivers. Get some of those double moves going. Get some play action built off of it because, as I said, those safeties are major parts on the outside and the alley in, in regards to the gap control and the run game. All right, now let's go to the offense, Dave. We were talking about this with Carl when he was picking his place for strategy for the Joe Judge Report on MSG. You look at Broncos tape last year with Pat Shermer and Drew Locke, all shotgun. Yep. And that's because what did Drew Locke do in college? That's all he did. All shotgun. How much different is this thing going to look now with Teddy Bridgewater behind center, do you think? I think it's going to look a lot different with Teddy Bridgewater under center. I think that they're going to have him playing under center because not a lot of people really, I mean, they know it, but they really don't know it. When you run the football out of shotgun, it's one of the most disadvantages that you can be in as an offensive line. Talk to me, why? The reason why is because both linebackers can see through to the path of where the running back is, where the quarterback's with the ball, and they can get downhill extremely fast because they can focus 
on where the football's going. So you think they can see the handoff without better a doubt, and where the running backs going? Without a single oh, doubt. But when you do it under center, when you have rollouts, when your quarterback turns his body to the line of scrimmage, those linebackers have to anticipate and take one step up. Not only does that help help in the play action passing game. But then once again, it allows you as an offensive line to dictate the tempo, get double teams up to the second level with now you have that D tackle holding you, you're running out of shotgun. All of a sudden that linebacker's already through the gap and you're not even off of your combination block already. Interesting. Okay. It's good to know. And it does start the running game for them, Dave. Yeah. And we'll talk about the weapons outside, which are really good, by the yep. way. But I was very impressed by Melvin Gordon's tape last year. My impression from the outside was that he was kind of nearing the end here. Yeah. And look, he might, you know, running backs get old quick. But I was impressed with his elusiveness last year. I thought he ran the ball well. And we talked to J- about Javante Williams a lot on this show over the course of the year when we did our draft prep. Yeah. That dude is a tackle-breaking machine. He's so, a baller. You talk about the Giants' run defense without Dalvin Tomlinson. Well, they're going to get tested right away here in week one. No doubt about it. You think about Pat Shermer, Mike Munchak, their offensive line coach. I mean, a lot of zone schemes, a lot of full zone from left tackle to right tackle. But they'll incorporate power where they'll pull Dalton Reisner a lot. He's like their main guy that wants to get left out guard. in open space to left guard to you know kick out or do anything that gets to the second level. So you know when it comes to Melvin Gordon, he is that in-between-the-tackles player. He can run the zone scheme. He can run through uh, you know, arm tackles and contact. But I'll tell you what, he better look out for his job because Javante Williams is an absolute stud. Runs through contact. Is, uh, I mean, is it me, but does he have a little bit of Marshawn Lynch in him the I, way that you see him run? Absolutely. And Dave, for me, he was my number one running back yeah. in the draft class. I loved him. I know a lot of people said, well, he split time with Michael Carter. That's an advantage for a running back coming out of college that they don't have too much tread on their tires. So going back to it, that inside zone running scheme, Teddy Bridgewater coming out under center. You know they're going to utilize their tight ends. We know that's something that Pat Shermer likes to do, especially when you have one like Noah Fant. But Noah Fant is coming back from a leg injury. But they're saying that he's a full go for this week. So this is an exciting time. And for this Giants defensive line, you know, you think back to 2020, the Giants defensive line was essentially able to stop the run game with four D linemen and one linebacker, Blake Martinez. No safety help. No safety help. They were able to do that with those big yep. bodies on the interior. Now the big question is, is with that said, going from 2020 to 2021, Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, are they going to be able to have that same cohesion yep. where one man, two gaps, one splits the gap, and they have those edge defenders that can really force everything back to the inside. That's where Lorenzo Carter and those players on the edge have to be sound, and they can't give up ground because if they get bookend and all of a sudden those plays get out to the perimeter, your defensive line can't help. And for me, Dave, and this is the final question on the Bronx before we get to the calls, Teddy Bridgewater here is your ultimate point guard to me yeah. in this offense. And he's not the point guard, like the modern NBA point guard. I'm no, talking no, no. to like the 1994 Dave Deal and John Schmel growing up point the guard. Where John Stockton little shorts. It's all assists. It's all give and go. And occasionally you'll hit a wide open jump shot. Yeah, That's yeah. easy. But you average eight assists a game, 10 points a game, and you just roll out. Because if he just gets the ball to these guys on the move, they're so talented. Corlin Sutton's the big guy. Tim Patrick, also a big player. Jerry Judy, a great route runner. Yeah. K.J. Hamler's the speedster. You mentioned Noah Fant down the yeah. seam. All he's got to do is set these guys up because they're going to make plays. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think that's one of the reasons why they went to Teddy Bridgewater. They felt that him being the game manager and that style of quarterback, 
plays to the ba- uh, basis of the strengths of their football team, the defense. I mean, essentially, Vic Fangio said, we're going to play the quarterback that doesn't screw it up. I mean, that was essentially <laughs> his quote when it came to selecting the quarterback. So, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, a lot of things out of shotgun, a lot of bootlegs, a lot of nakeds, a lot of things just to get him into open space to get free runner and free options for him to get fr- three uh, free throwing lanes uh, to his wide receivers. But the one thing that we know when it comes to Teddy Bridgewater He's not the most mobile guy. He can get condensed in the pocket. If you show him different things post-snap, he can get caught up going through his progressions. All of a sudden, that rush starts collapsing on top of him, and he has no place to go. So I I think that they made this move just for the sheer fact that based upon what they believe in this defense and and Vic Fangio – being on the hot seat, they've got to win football games this year. Yeah, and he doesn't throw the ball down the field a ton. He'll pick his spots, but he likes his average depth of target last year, I think, was something like 6.7 yards. I got my notes somewhere They want to shorten the game. They want to control the time of possession, the line of scrimmage, and let their defense free. Yeah, last year, 7.9 yards per attempt. This is the stat that I liked. 7.59 yards per attempt, Dave. 12th in the league. Good number for Teddy Bridgewater. But if you look at his average depth of target, 7.7 7.7 yards, yeah. 36th in the NFL. That shows you he's getting short passes on the move and guys making plays off of that, and that's exactly a what he's A lot of singles and a lot of doubles. Absolutely, yep. 100%. All right, let's get to the phones. The phone number is 201-939-4513, 201-939-4513. Before we get going, just want to remind Giant fans that limited tickets are still available for the Giants' home opener versus the Broncos on Sunday. Seriously? Get on it, fellas. Go to Giant and ladies. Go to Giants.com slash single game tickets now to secure your seats. All right, let's go to the phones. I believe Jason in New Haven's been holding the longest, Taylor. We'll go to Jason on line one. We'll take him in order. Jason, what's going on? And we are going to try to go through calls quickly today because we want to get as many calls in for Dave as we can. Jason, what's going on? Hi, how you guys doing? We're good. Good. All right. I'll try to make it quick, and I appreciate you guys taking my call. Um, this is more for offensive line and what I think needs to be done on Sunday. Uh, Sunday. Um, uh, Mr. Deal, how do you feel about um, I know Mr. Uh, the guard we picked up from the Ravens, Bredesen? Yeah, Ben Bredesen. Um, I, yep. I watched some of his film. Now, I'm not saying he should start right now or anything like that because he hasn't really been in our system. But what what is your what is your take on uh, on Bredesen? I actually like some of his film. Um, what 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 is your take? And then I have a, a, a one more question. Well, obviously, inside interior guy, he's one of those guys that if he gets his hands on you, it's over. But he has some problems in pass protection with his feet. Similar he's, to Lemieux. Similar to Lemieux, he's a road grader type of guy. And you know what? The one thing that you know when it comes to this offensive line. They're going to put their five best players out on the field at any time during this season. So just because this offensive line is solidified right now with starters doesn't mean that there can't be changes made throughout the football season. So that's where bringing in a Ben Bredson will bring competition, not only to Shane Lemieux, but to Will Hernandez as well. Gotcha. Um, and then the uh, one one thing I had about Andrew Thomas, uh, David Deal, would you think it's a fair assessment to say that at Georgia, they ran the ball a lot um, when he was there uh, just because that's the way they ran their offense. Is it safe to say he didn't have enough pass protection, um, enough reps with pass protection while he was at Georgia? I don't know if you watched any of his film at Georgia. but Yeah, of course I um, watched this film at Georgia. That's my job, my man. No, I, Thank I, you, Jason. I, I don't blame it on pass protection and not having enough reps in college or any of that stuff. I think it's just confidence with his hands, being able to 
punch, restart, redirect. You've got to be a boxer. You can't be a gunslinger. And what I mean by that, you've always got to have those hands up. You've got to be ready to combat and punch and, and redirect and snap hands if you have to. Anytime you go to place your hands and they're coming from the hip, you're exposing your chest. You're letting him time up your punch and knock down your hands. You're letting him dictate the tempo of the rush. So that's where, for Andrew Thomas, stay inside out and be aggressive with those hands. And it's funny, Dave. This is not a revisionist history because you, Sean, and I did, and Sean O'Hara, yeah. did an hour yeah. Giant Tunnel podcast leading up to that draft. Yeah. And we did 45 minutes, I think, on Thomas, Easily. Wills, um, Werfs, Werfs, and yep. Becton. And I think at the end of the day, I think Sean said he would have picked Thomas because he's yep. the guy with the left tackle experience. But this is the point I made hanging into that draft. You never know how guys are going to develop, but there was a really good argument to be made for drafting any one of those four guys first and any one of those four guys fourth out of that group. Yeah, there was. I mean, it, it was a, a big discussion. You know, it was, okay, Tristan Wirfs, he's a tweener. Is he a tackle? Is he a guard? That was always the conversation throughout that entire process. So he was one of the top upper echelon tackles, and that was throughout the entire NFL and NFL offensive line coaches. So I don't think that it was anything that he didn't have enough reps in college. Yeah. I just think that last year, not having the offseason, not having the OTAs, not having minicamp to really hone in on your techniques and fundamentals – is a completed disadvantage, especially when you're playing left tackle. And I know people say, well, isn't it routine? Well, you tell me when Von Miller's ripping off the edge and you didn't have a full offseason to prepare for it, if you're fully confident with your technique going into it. The last question I'll ask you about Thomas. There's no limitations here physically, right? No, absolutely not. So he he's like, – because, you know, we talked about Eric Flowers and he had technique issues when he was here, yes. right? But he also – you know, had a lot of waistband. He wasn't the more athletic guy. He kind of wasn't the best athlete. You don't see any of that with Andrew Thomas, is my point. No, I, the, the guy loves the game of football. Yeah. He loves the sport. He loves the physicality. And I think a true testament to him and the character that he is is after having a rough game, standing in his locker and addressing the media. Yeah. It's not too big for him. He's not running away from it. He understands the important and, uh, importance of his role and how vital he is to this offense. It's just about making progress week in and week out and not buying too much into the negative thing. So this for you is a totally a technique thing that he can get Without a doubt. Out. Enough said. Big Ed in Maryland, he's up next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's up, Big Ed? Wow. It's amazing to be back. All right, Ed, How you guys Ed, Ed, doing, man? Ed, I, I, I want to get to the calls quick, buddy, so please get to your point as quick as you can, okay? Yeah, I will. We're great, Ed. How and just you? first of all, I'm going to say, hey, how you doing, Big John? How you doing, King David? Doing is that awesome. King David out here back there? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, my buddy, man. I miss you guys, man. I am going to be quick. I just want to give the strategy for the game, man. Just straight up attack. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Until you can throw beyond them their safeties, because if they if they suspect in the in the um, safety area, you, you got a chance. Oh but no no no, big Ed. All they, of that no, big Ed, right, big no, Ed, no, no, no 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 no. They we are not suspect. suspect. They are not suspect in the safety. We're talking area. about how they're utilizing yes, their safety. Correct. There's a big difference. They have excellent safeties. Yeah, they do. They they're okay, but I'm just looking at it for what we have. We just have to go attack them. In everything, in everything, it's like no matter how good they are, you attack them anyway. I, I agree. By attacking you, them, you got every chance. And but Big Ed, you, you, you are right, by the way. Allowing, Big Ed, you mm -hmm. are right. You got to run the ball in first and second down against these guys because if you get into third and long 
against this defense, you're in a whole lot of trouble, right, Dave? You got to yeah. get the first and second. You got to get the second and reasonable here. And, and that's when you look at their defensive line and their interior guys outside of Bradley Chubb and Von Miller and Shamar Stephan, who's six five. They're all 6'2", 6'3", 301, 305, 310, all sawed-off, low-leverage guys that you know that if you get leverage and you get pads underneath pads, you can move them at the line of scrimmage. They don't have big inside linebackers either. They don't have big inside linebackers either. So they're going to try to hold off two-gap and let those linebackers run by utilizing those low guys on the inside. But if you can get leverage and get them on one leg, you can get a lot of movement on them. Yeah. Like I said, we need to attack. Attack, attack, attack. It's always the will of the game, not much more than the skill of the game. If you show them more will than what they're showing you, you can win that game. That's what I see. But I'm not going to hold it up, man, because, like you said, got many calls. I miss you guys. I'll try to call back later this week. Thank you, Big Ed. We can chat more, man. Appreciate it, man. Thanks, All right, y'all. Thank you, David. Love you, man. Good stuff, man. 201-939-4513. Thank you for being brief, Big Ed. I really appreciate that. Taking all the action of New York Giants football from your very own private suite. Giant suites are a great way to entertain your family and friends while rooting on your New York football Giants right here at MetLife Stadium. Speak with the Giants suite representative right now by calling 888-NYG-1925. All right, let's go back to the phones. Joe in Pennsylvania is up next. Hey, Joe. Hi, guys. Uh, Yep, uh, it's it's getting closer, Dave. It's getting me pumped up there, you know. You sound I mean, pumped up, Joe. Yes, it could be as easy as who runs the ball, ball better going to win this game. Uh, I hear uh, one of their, uh, I forget who it was from their team saying, I guess he's retired, saying this is going to be a cupcake game for the uh, Broncos to win this. Who here, said that, so. Joe? That sounds uh, like a Mark Schlereth comment to me. Is that accurate or no? Not, I, it, well, I, I, I think it not, was the, because he's the one calling, he's calling the game. He's calling it on CBS, right? I know. That's a good point. Somebody will, would have said that. Uh, no, it was somebody that's retired, a retired player from the Broncos. I'm not you. sure who it was. You know, you know, somebody will know who answered this here. So, uh, but, but what I'm seeing there, you know, they wanted that, you know, Gettleman said and stuff, you know, we got to play these young guys. You know, so I'm starting to think that, you know, uh, that uh, Pew there is taking a step backwards or so, and that Soldier's playing good, that they're going to have him in there. That's that's just my opinion. You mean Parrot, Joe. You mean Parrot, right? Parrot, Parrot. yeah, Parrot. I can't yeah, say his good. name yeah, right. right. Parrot, yep. Yep, that, that, that's what I'm I'm looking at there. And uh, uh, what I want what, to what say, where do you think they're going to put uh, – uh, Tony, is is uh, you think they'll take a receiver out, or do you think that they could possibly even line him up in the backfield? Because you're, you're saying they're gonna, uh, you know, have some, uh, you know, that he might play a significant role in this game. What do you, you think, know? Dave? Yeah, I mean that's something that they did with him at Florida. He came out of the backfield. They sure. utilized him in different aspects that way. And if you're doing it when we're here with Saquon Barkley practicing more, and if he's in a pitch count. There's more opportunities to get uh, Kadarius Tony the football and get him into open space with the football in his hands. Think about, Joe, how teams have used Cordero Patterson in yeah. the past and yeah. kind of moved around a little bit, a little Debo Samuel stuff with the mm-hmm. short passes, the handoffs in the backfield. And, again, it might not be in the first week. I promise you, at some point this year, we're getting a Kadarius Tony option pass here. Because no that doubt. guy's got a cannon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we can set him up, and I, I did see that got that lineman they brought from uh, Baltimore. I think he used. They said they used to bring him and a lot in for Baltimore that he'd play uh, 
the tight end position a yep. lot tight. Yeah, so, uh, nope, we we have the element of surprise on him to, for us. So uh, it's getting closer. My blood pressure's getting up. Uh, go Giants. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate it. I want to ask you, by the way, I've, this is a segment of Giant fans. We'll get right back to the calls, Dave, that feel like I think their theory is that you put Billy Price or the other guy they brought in, um, the name's escaping Brent me, the Bretson. veteran. Yeah, no, the, they signed another veteran to the practice squad. Skyler, Schooler, Schooler, something like that. I forget his name. Okay. Anyway, but they want to put those guys, one of those guys at center, and they want to move Nick Gates over to guard. And I've been kind of yelling at people, like, no. why would you want to move Nick Gates off of center right now? No. I, am I right or am I, You're or am I off hundred percent right. You've had Nick Gates call out all the fronts, all the protections, work into his second year of playing center where he did a great job last year in his first year, and he's only going to get better and keep continuity on the interior of the offensive line for the New York Giants. So at this point, to sit there and make that transition, I definitely would not do that. Yeah, it doesn't make a whole – Matt Scorro, that's who it was. Too, I forgot yep. the the, uh, the veteran formerly of the Dolphins. But, yeah, I, I, it just doesn't – you've been training this guy for two years and you move them out from tackle and guard into center. It's not like it's not like Billy Price has made a bunch of all-pro teams at center over the last few years. By no. the way, you haven't talked about Billy Price. What do, you, what do you think about that acquisition? You know, obviously Billy Price brings in versatility, can play both guards and uh, the center position, dealt with some nagging injuries during his time with uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. But – I think that he's a player that, with some coaching and with some continued uh, honing in on his techniques and fundamentals, he can be a player to reach the potential that he was as a first-round draft pick. But I I, I think it's got to be consistent to where he's not playing injured and he's, more importantly, not missing time. Do you think he's long-term more of a center, more of a guard, and what does he need to clean up in order to kind of reach that potential? As I said, I think it, it, you know staying healthy in techniques and fundamentals, especially with his offhand when he's snapping and reaching to the front side, you know, not getting bookended and getting those to- shoulders turned back into the hole. Uh, but he once again, he's going to have competition, and he's going to have an opportunity here. All right, let's go to Jeff in Portland. I'm guessing this is Portland, Maine. You're on next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's up, Jeff? Oh, hey, yeah. Um, yeah, thanks so much for taking my call. Uh, love your show. Uh, these are some pretty exciting times going on. Um, you already kind of touched on my first topic, which is the return game. Uh, I just don't like seeing a starter as the punt returner because um, he could get injured or nicked up and, and it could, you know, reduce his effectiveness in the fourth quarter or whatnot. Well, Jeff, I and will I tell you this right now, just, just, just really, really quickly. Joe Judge has been asked this question many times. Yep. And I will try not to be vulgar. He does not give two you know what's about putting starters in in the return game. He he no. does not. He he thinks you can get her on any play. Special teams is a vital part of the game. That, that, that's his background. Correct. So if he thinks there's a guy that's a starter that can help in the return game on special teams, he ain't playing. He ain't coaching scared. That guy's going to go in there, and he's going to be part of the return game. And that's one of the things that when I talked to Matthew Slater or Rob Ninkovich or any of those guys, they talked about his demeanor and his love for the game of football to where when he was in New England, when he'd have to go up to starters and say, hey, I need you at the L3, guys would do it because they believed in Coach Judge and loved the game of football the same way. Okay, but, I mean, Jabril Preppers did get injured last year and missed a game or two, I believe. Um, he but did, but it wasn't on special teams. And, and the quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater, were facing in 2016, tore his knee on a non-contact drill rolling in the open field. You never know. Okay, but I just think that uh, Kadarius Tony could be really electric as a punt returner. And uh, I think he'll be able to hold on to the ball sure. and uh, make some plays. And uh, so anyway, I kind of touched on what you said before. The other thing is, 
I think it's kind of unfair to uh, constantly put pressure on Daniel Jones to not throw interceptions because uh, I think there needs to be an asterisk next to the amount of interceptions he threw last year because over half of them were like catchable balls that got batted up in the air and intercepted. You know, uh, by the tight ends. <laughs> well, no, no, Jeff. That, my... that, 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 that's why when I talk about it on this show, I don't talk about yeah. interceptions. I don't talk about even fumbles lost. I like to use that PFF number, turnover-worthy plays, yep. where they parse all that uh, down, right? So that interception that hits you know, a receiver in the hands and then goes to a safety, that doesn't count as a turnover-worthy play because it's not on the quarterback. So that's why I like to use that metric because you're right. Those turnover numbers can get skewed big time by things aren't necessarily the quarterback's fault. Absolutely. I mean, that's definitely part of the game. I mean, there's times that, you know, the, a wide receiver should be somewhere. The quarterback sure. puts it there, and now all of a sudden there's a tip interception. But I think that's part of the game. That's part of the game of football and being the quarterback is that you take on the good as well as the bad. And, Jeff, you started that point, and I'm not trying to nitpick you, and you can finish your call. Like, it's not fair to continue to put pressure on Daniel Jones to not throw interceptions. Well, let me tell you, I don't, it doesn't matter what the fans are saying. Do you know what this coaching staff is doing to Daniel Jones? They're telling him not to throw interceptions. <laughs> <laughs> right. ball, ball security is yeah. job security in yeah. the NFL. Well, I, I just hate to see him throwing scared. You know, if you've got to make a high throw over the right, middle, right, he right. should make it, and a professional catcher should catch it. But my main point is – You're right about that. Foot- don't yeah. play scared. That, okay. that Jeff, but, you're right about but, Okay, but my main point is maybe uh, I think the way he could possibly improve is with his footwork. Uh, you know, he's, uh, being a little more elusive and kind of escaping the rush, like you see how Tom Brady does it a little bit, and just having some kind of sense of maybe just scamper outside, look to right a little bit a few feet, just to kind of avoid the rush, because if he keeps getting hit, he's going to have fumbles and he's going to get injured. But I also think that that comes to being efficient on first and second down so that you can mobilize him and use him in the play-action passing game where you run the bootlegs and nakeds and you don't put yourself in the third and longs to where you're in shotgun positions and he has to sit back there. We know Daniel Jones is an accurate quarterback when he's on the move thrown into those open receivers and into those open windows. You only can do that consistently when you run the football. Yeah, and look, there's a difference between being a mobile and athletic quarterback that can run Dave and being an elusive quarterback in the pocket. Yeah, pocket presence. Yeah, and I think that's why he brought up Brady, and I'm like, yeah, Brady, you know. He's not rolling outside of the pocket. No, but he knows how to navigate inside the pocket, and I I think it's fair – that Daniel needs to continue to develop a good feel in there and be able to use his athleticism to make it more functional to be more elu- like for example Tony Romo was never the best athlete but that dude was a pain to track down of course. as a pass rusher so he needs to pick up on like some of those types of things to use that athleticism to create more time and you know create more of those off timing plays where yeah. it's not just a three step go five step go can he make some of those plays that are special that you saw Justin Herbert yeah. make last year, for example? Plays like that. Yeah, and that, that's the big thing that we're looking for out of Daniel Jones this year. Number one, pocket presence. The ability to step up, manipulate the pocket, work from one side to the other, but still have your eyes downfield, reading your progressions, and knowing and having that alarm clock in your head of when to get rid of the football and not to take a sack. I also think that when it comes to Daniel Jones, one of the things that will help him with this operation is is an effective run game. I'm going to continue to go back to that. You know, when people ask me after Daniel Jones' second year, you know, can you compare Daniel Jones to, to Eli Manning in the second year? 
Tiki Barber ran for 1,800 yards in Eli Manning's second season. I think he had 2,400 yards from scrimmage. 2,400 yeah. yards total from scrimmage. I think that helps the transition at the quarterback position, and it helps the offensive line be aggressive because when you can run the football and you build play action off of it, you make it look and sound like run. The linebackers have to respect it. You can tee off on the D tackles and defensive ends. That's how you wear them down in the third and fourth quarter. And by the way, Daniel has to become more efficient as a play-action passer, yeah. too. If you look at his numbers, and we, I was talking this a little bit earlier with somebody else, his play-action numbers out of shotgun are much stronger than they are from under center. Yep. And it shouldn't necessarily be that way no. based on what you said earlier in the show, right? Yeah. So that's something I think he needs to get more used to. Something he didn't do in college a lot was turn your back to the defense and then try to make a play. Mm-hmm. And if he can master that, we know this Giants offensive line from last year – Pass protection struggles aside, they run, they ran block pretty darn yep, well with power yep. stuff. So if he can do better in play action from under center, that really opens up the offense a whole lot. No doubt, and it comes to just having being a making a de- decisive decision. Say that one three times. <laughs> no, but it, it is because a lot of times when you see those those plays outside of the pocket, it's when the quarterbacks indecisive with the football. Am I going to run? Am I going to throw it? And now all of a sudden you've got the defensive line barreling down on you and you could have had either two or three yards or you could have lived for the next play. Those are the things that we need to see out of them this season. And sometimes on those play action passes, you might have a tight end blocking an edge rusher. You might have some mismatches off that run action. So you can't stay back there forever. You're going to have to make that decision pretty quickly. No doubt about it. All right, Giant fans on September 26th, watch the Giants retire David Deal's teammates, Eli Manning's jersey in style. We are offering an exclusive suite package, which includes Eli Bobbleheads, jerseys, T-shirts, and more. Speak with the Giant Suite representative now by calling 888-NYG-1925. Select option four. You and the teammates should get together, Dave, and just pay Eli back for all the pranks he did on you guys over his years and do something to him on that day. Well, you know, I will say this. He didn't really prank the offensive line. Well, he was much. smart he about was that. He was smart yeah. about it because the retaliation that he would get from Soybert or Kareem or one of us <laughs> would be too much. So he'd play little tricks on us in the beginning, but he moved on to the other members of the football team. He was smart about that. Did he ever get on your phone and like change the language on your phone or anything like that? That was one of his favorites. No, he never got on my phone because I was always smart. I had it put away. I always had my code <laughs> in there and everything like that. But the best is when he had Jerry Palmieri's phone, our strength coach. Jerry Palmieri's phone was in Chinese for two days. Two days? Two days, yeah. <laughs> oh, poor Jerry. Yeah, Jerry, not not tech savvy. No, not a tech so, savvy guy whatsoever. I can no. see that being a problem. All right, let's go back to the phones. Let's go to line three, Taylor. Let's go to Doug and Glen Falls. Doug, what's up? Hi, I'm, I'm a second-time caller. I, I called back in preseason when you had the longer show on. On a Sunday after the draft, I think it was Sunday after the draft. Great, I understand you have but a call anyways, for you have a question for David about Andrew Thomas. Yeah, well, I I I'm going back to the the interview that Billy Price had. I think it's Billy Price, the new the new guy from Cincinnati. Sure. And you're saying how after every practice play, the the coaches are 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 the line coaches are coaching them on every play. Only concern how many how many people are actually coaching these people. You got Wilkerson, you got Flats, and you got the new guy from. From Louisiana, the Louisiana College. Coach Sale, yeah. Three guys are in, in poor Andrew's ear. Who's he going to listen to? Him? And if two or three, two or three of them are ta- saying different things, this poor kid's 
confused as hell. No, 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 no. There's a, it'd, be, it'd be confusing as hell if all three different coaches were giving different messages and coaching techniques. That's the difference. They're all coaching the same thing. They all know in certain periods which players they're identifying and focusing on, whether one coach has the centers, the other has the guards, the other has the tackles, and then they're evaluating from that point. And I'll tell you this, when it comes to offensive line and coaching – you want as much coaching as you possibly can get, especially during the training camp time. Because once you get now during this regular season time, you don't have 20-minute individuals where you can work on your pass pro or your combination blocks. You're breaking down the other team. You're breaking down first and second down. There's so much more that you have to integrate into a regular season work week compared to training camp when you can really hammer in day in and day out on those skills. So having three coaches is a benefit to them. It's not a negative. And by the way, Freddie Kitchen's also heavily involved with that group, too. Yep. So that's actually a fourth guy in the mix. You and then some- he brings them in with the tight ends. Yeah. And then the tight ends work with the tackles and combination blocks and timing. It, 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 I think this was the best way to help uh, help the transition for this offensive line. Doug, you got something else? Okay. Uh, not really. That was the main thing I had. Awesome. I appreciate the call, Doug. That actually is a call that we've gotten, a question that we've gotten from a lot of fans, Dave, about having multiple coaches it's, there. It's not like office space. I'm getting nine TPS reports <laughs> on it. No. I mean, that's the thing. If they, They're all aligned. They're coaching the same exact techniques and fundamentals. They're all bridging the gap for all those players. So just because if he heard something from Coach Flaherty would be a different message if he heard it from Coach Sale. They're all commonly linked. 201-939-4513, 201-939-4513. Tim in Charleston is up next. Tim, what's going on? Hey, John and Dave, how you doing? Doing well. great. First, I want to say, Dave, it's an honor to finally get to speak with you. Um, and I wanted to personally thank you for the contribution made to our team. I have on my left forearm a Lombardi trophy with a big MY on the football uh, and under the, the shield, I have the four Roman numerals for the times we won the Super Bowl, and, and you were two of them, man. Thank, so thank you. you so thank much. you for the I, support, and I love that you bleed blue on your skin as well. Yep, and and I, I think I sent a picture of it to John. I may have sent him another one because he didn't reply. But anyway, uh, and Dave, I want to pay you a compliment also because that last game against the Patriots, I was listening to just the you know the Giants radio feed. You worked it with Tatino. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I got to say, you know, I'd never heard you do color before, you know, and uh, you were, I, I loved it. I loved it because you were succinct to the point. Explain what just happened. Obviously, I mean, I did, I was watching the game, so I was watching it in a bar. So I was listening to your description, you know, 15 seconds after the play, but still, but, but you, I mean, you, the way you described everything, I thought it was, it was understandable, helpful, succinct without a lot of extra verbiosity. I think you did a great job, and you should be doing that somewhere as part of your career. But anyway, I appreciate that, that, that being said, I, I wanted to pay you that compliment. And, and uh, John, I wanted to thank you for reminding me yesterday after I made a comment about the Joe Judge report that it was 30 minutes, but the fact that I felt like it was only 15 <laughs> just goes to show you how much I love it and how fast the thing goes by for me. Um, and, and the one thing that I w- they were talking about yesterday was Bridgewater and how tough he is in terms of not giving up the ball. Um, and, and I actually uh, looked it up because I kind of wanted to see, you know. And because he hasn't necessarily started every game of his career, I looked at his interceptions based on attempts. And if you discount his, his what I was going to say, freshman year, his rookie year, 
he gave up 12 interceptions. If you discount that, he has only thrown one interception per 48 attempts. Yep. Yeah, last then. year and his numbers you... were a little bit higher. He, he threw a couple more picks last year. He finished with um, the 20th highest interception rate last year. So it was up a little bit last year, but generally speaking, he's a guy that you trust to make good decisions. Yeah. Yeah, and, and even if you count in his rookie year, he's still one for 43, which is pretty good. But here's my feeling. I, I feel like year, his defense. I, remember, yeah. I think he had 12, yeah. Um, uh, my feeling is that uh, this defense is so, I think they're so superior. They're so aggressive. They're so well-schemed. I think that whether it's an interception or a fumble off the catch or a strip, whatever it is, I think we're getting a turnover, and I think we need to get a turnover. I think that's going to be a big part of what it comes down to the game. I don't see Denver's offense putting up more than 13 points. I said that yesterday against us, uh, against our defense. Now, of course, if we have, you know, inauspicious turnovers, that leave them with a short field. Yeah. And I think the game, and one thing, one thing we haven't talked about, and I guess I should have saved this for Jeff, is the fact that I think this is the kind of game that's going to be one of those old-school games that comes down to shifting field position. And Riley Dixon becomes super important in this game because certainly we're going to be punting the ball sometimes. Hey, look, getting that shift. Up, no, go ahead, go ahead, Tim. Finish up. Finish up. I was going to say getting that shift of ten or fifteen yards every time you exchange the ball is huge, and that's how the Giants used to win games. No, Tim. Look, absolutely, and, no doubt about it. And, and, and thanks a lot for the call. If you're an old-school Giant fan here and you like defensive-minded football, this game's going to be for you guys. And this is the coach that you're going to love to watch in Patrick Graham and the way that he assembles this Giants defense. Here's what I think, David. Here, here, here's the bold prediction. There will be more points scored off of turnovers, either as a direct defensive touchdown or as a short field score, than there will be points not off of turnovers in this week's game. I, I don't agree. see either team being able to extend these long drives down the field to score points. I just don't see it. I think both defenses are just too good for that. And especially when you go back to their stats in 2020, they were both bend but don't break defenses, yeah. ranked number one and two in NFL defenses down in the red zone. Denver Broncos being number one, the New York Giants being number two. So that's why when we sit here and we look at this Giants offense, this is where Kyle Rudolph coming back from injuries could be a key factor in those matchups down in the red zone. Yeah, Galladay, too. Galladay, too, Use yeah. that size to big 50, boy 50 people. 50-50 body, go, go up and get it. Huge catch radius, absolutely. And by the way, for Denver, they have Cortland Sutton that can yeah. do that, and they have Noah Fant that can do that, and they have Tim Patrick that could do that, who are all 6'3 or taller. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. I think it's going to be interesting. It's funny. I looked at this number the other day. Teddy Bridgewater last year, you look at his numbers, it was pretty good. In the red zone, Dave, he was the and I'm not a I use PFF's metrics and their stats. I don't like using their grades yep, because yep, I, yep. I'm not a big grade guy. But I think it was significant, so I'll throw it out there. Lowest passing grade of any quarterback last year in the red zone for Teddy Bridgewater. Well, when you think about it, condensed field, shortened field, not a lot of room. What did we say he does? A can't lot of, dump it down. Can't yep. dump it down. A lot of singles and doubles. When that area is condensed and there's not a lot of room to work, you're not going to get those easy throws like you get in the open field. Yeah, nine touchdowns, three picks, average depth of target of just five and a half yards. Wow. I did not expect that stat to come. How about that? Right so you want to talk about keys in the red zone? No kidding. There you go. Keep him out of the keep him out of the end zone, boys and girls. Let's go to Julian in Florida. He's up next. Julian, what's up? Hey, how you doing, guys? I'm going to keep it quick. I know you guys are trying to run through here. Uh, by the way, just a quick point to the defense as well. It also does not hurt that we had Pat Shermer's scheme uh, for three years. So. That'll True, but there really isn't anyone left from when yeah. he was here. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. Well, 
well, yes, Daniel you're Jones, right. Well, Daniel Jones came into his rookie year with Patrick. Oh, no, and, and Sterling that, Shepard. No, yes, but, I true. mean, uh, yeah. uh, we're honestly, just saying the overall turnover here. Yes, yes, it's correct. Yeah, mm-hmm. you, Julian, you're absolutely right. I was thinking more of the coaching staff, but you're yeah. right. You do have those players that are left. And also Ty Tolbert still left in the building yeah. from Shermer's staff, too. So you're right. You do have some guys that are left that might be able to help there. You're right. Yeah, that's that's all I was saying. You know, we we if we have that scheme and Daniel Jones came in with that, I mean, it's definitely going to help Patrick Graham and, and our and our defense. But let me run through this quick. I know you guys are trying to rush here. Um, David Deal, love you, man. I absolutely did not get my arm tattooed with a Lombardi. Jersey, <laughs> but I have a I have a, a signed football from the J Fund. Uh, I want to say 2012 that my father got for me, and it has you signed on it, Victor Cruz. Tom Coughlin and Eli Manning, and it is time. That's a great ball, right there. That, it is a heck of a ball. I, I get complimented on it all the time, and I always have to watch over it. I pop, what did you like carry it around with? Yeah, is that how you get? <laughs> no, 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 no. He's got it in the glass case. Glass case in my house. It is very visible, but um, you know, I, I, I just never got to speak to you, David Deal. So, absolutely, man, you're, you're a hero of mine. And thank, thank you, you for, uh, for those championships. Um, I love the Giants' life that we've been putting on. This, uh, this app, guys, it is an absolute, absolutely just a great way for the fans to see what's going on inside. By my standards, it's way better than the hard knock season this year, and we all know why. <laughs> but, uh, I, just love, I just love to see the inside. I love to see how these old vet players got to really just sit down with the players like Justin Tuck and whatnot. I'm sure, David Deal, you got in there too. Yep. Um, but let, let's get down to uh, what I really just want to talk about. Um, with Daniel Jones' pocket presence and, and what we're going to watch for, I do agree with one of the callers that it's a little unfair that the verdict's out for him just this year. Um, the O-line is not going to be able to – well, okay, well, I, I'm going to be positive here. But from what I've seen, it's going to be hard for Daniel Jones to have pocket presence when the O-line is collapsing on him. Um, he's got the weapons. We took care of that. He's got everything that he needs as far as scheme. But if he's throwing scared balls, then, you know, it's, it, 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 if he's just his line is breaking down in front of him every single time, you know, it's just going to be a little hard to judge, but I'm, I'm not scared of his deep ball. I absolutely feel great when he throws a deep ball. It's just more down the middle. Yeah. And um, I think it's fair that quarterbacks get pinged for picks when wide receivers are the ones, or tight ends in this instance, are the ones bobbling the ball. Um, how would you guys feel about wide receivers and tight ends having an error option, kind of like how baseball has errors? Well, they've dropped. I think that'd be a lot more. And unfortunately, yeah, the Giants wide receiving core had the second most drops in the league last year. Yep. Right, but it would it would just kind of be like a little bit fair for the quarterbacks, especially like Daniel Jones. Guys like Daniel Jones, I get riddled with you know interceptions apparently. When really, as real Giants fans, we know it wasn't a lot on. Yeah, him. and, and I just, know that you could sit here and say how it tells the story, but don't we have enough analytics at this point when it comes to football? At the end I of the day, right. it comes I down to throwing, right. tackling, and blocking. And by, by the way, and there are I analytics understand. out there. If 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 you, if you have like a PFF account, like they have what they call adjusted completion yeah, percentage yep, for quarterback, yep. which which takes the drops out. So they do have things oh, wow, like okay. that, that that do try to uh, adjust for receivers not helping the quarterback. Out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got it, got it. And uh, that's definitely going to help on my group chat of 30 football fanatics that just riddle me with <laughs> Jones uh, slander just because I'm a Giants fan and I'm always trying to say, well, you guys don't even know what you're talking about. Anyways, um but I'll leave you guys with that. I, I, I One thing I always do say on that group chat, and a lot of people that talk about Barkley and, and fantasy and whatnot, I always say Barkley never had an O-line, and he still put up numbers for the first three years except for the injuries. So I don't want to hear Giants fans talking about how Barkley has no O-line and injuries. Yes, the injury is the only question mark, but Barkley never needed an O-line. He's going to go off this year, and we're going to be back in Giants football. David, John, 
pleasure to talk to you guys. I'll let you guys go. Thank, Thank you, Julie. Thank appreciate you. the call. And here's what I'll say, Dave. Two comments off of that, then we have one more call you want to get to. One, the most common question I get, I'm sure you get it too when you do these interviews with radio stations, whatever, mm-hmm. talk about the team. Is this a make or break year for Daniel Jones? <laughs> it's always a question I get. Yeah. And, and, I, and I hate giving answers with caveats, but I have to. Yeah. Because I, I have to say, well, first of all, you're heading into the season and three of his top four weapons or five weapons are banged mm-hmm. up. All right. Yep. So let's see how healthy these guys are. One. And two, the offensive line's always an issue. I mean, you know how much different Eli Manning looked when he was confident he could stand in there and deliver the ball, and when he wasn't confident he can sit in there and and deliver the ball. So there are mitigating factors. It's not the quarterback on an island, go do your thing. He's still very dependent because he's still a young quarterback of what's going on around him. And I know that there's that that Bill Walsh, uh, after three years, you know exactly what you have in the quarterback. But in those three years... Did they have the same system? Did they have the same offensive line? There's so many variables to those three years that you have to take into account. Brand new head coach, brand new offensive coordinator, no offseason, no minicamps, no OTAs, straight into training camp in the season. That's not going to get you up to speed with the confidence you need to be the quarterback where it's all between your ears when you get out there in, in between the lines. You would like to know after three years, of but course. sometimes you, you don't. And luckily, as a first-round pick, you have four years on the contract and then a five-year yep. option, so you can figure that out. Number two, this to me, Dave, is why I'm so excited about Saquon Barkley this year. Look, Wayne Gallman is a solid running back. Yeah. But look. Solid. He didn't make the team in San Francisco. No. They released him. They kept Jamichael Hasty over him, okay? Yep. Look, he got picked up right away by Atlanta, and I think that's going to be a good fit it's down a good there fit for him. Arthur Smith's offense. Yeah, yep. I think it's going to really work out well for, for Wayne. I hope he does well. The Giants rushed for over 100 yards in like seven straight games last year mm-hmm. and a stretch of eight out of nine. If you put Barkley behind a good run-blocking offensive line, that can get scary for defenses real quick. And I think given everything that's going on with this team offensively, this is the best situation if he can be healthy all year, that he's been in to have a really productive year based on everything that's going on around him. And no doubt about it. And it's not just the running game. Think about the screen game and what Saquon Barkley brings. You want to slow down a pass rush? Run one screen because now all of a sudden they're going to be rushing, but they're going to be looking to see where the back's peeling off. Usually when that happens and you rip off a screen for a, you know a good yardage, 15, 20 yards, yeah. that front side tackle that's to the same side as the running back will sometimes not rush because he'll be worried about the back coming out of the backfield as well. So it completely changes the tempo in the way that a defensive line can rush as well. I'll never forget that screen pass. I think it was against Chicago two years ago where it was end of the first half and they literally tried to run a give-up play. Yeah. A give-up play. Yeah. From like It was like 18 seconds left at their own 25-yard line. They tried to run a give-up play. Yeah. And they just dumped it off to Saquon Barkley. It was either a swing pass or a screen. I don't remember. But he makes, like, literally seven guys miss, uh-huh. goes for 35 yards, and then Rosas, I Rosas, believe, yeah. made, like, a 60-yard yep. field goal, and he right gave him a, a free three yeah. points. Yep. That's the And you're right. He can make so—you get him the ball in space, man, what's an eight-yard play for a regular running back can be a 58-yard play for Saquon Barkley. And with real blocking in front of him, and again— Say what you want about the pass protection, Dave. This offensive line can run block. Yes, we they can. know they can do that. I think it could be pretty awesome. Uh, I agree with you. And, and the one thing that you have to think about with Saquon Barkley coming back and running this offense, 
you know, one of the things that we talked about him coming to the league was bo- bouncing the ball out to the perimeter too much. Right. He's not going to have to do that in the way that they scheme up the zone running scheme with it, having the edge protected either with a tackle or with a tight end. So he's not going to have to bounce outside the way that he did early on in his career. And if they go to more power and gap stuff like they did last year, you really not say you can't bounce it outside, but it's really easy not to. Is exactly, my point. you got to follow your blockers, yeah. follow where the the flow of the defense is coming from, and it's always from the outside in. So that once again deters your ability to bounce outside. No question. All right, final call of the show at two zero one nine three nine four five one three. Let's go to Tom up in Albany. He'll wrap us up today on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's up, Tom? Gentlemen, great to talk with you. First time caller, long time listener. Thank you. What's up? Thanks, Tom. Anytime I hear Albany, I just start sweating thinking of training camp. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's still up here for you. We still got the sweat up here for you, David, in case you miss it. I mean, uh, come on we, up we here miss anytime. It. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm we trying to remember the name of that place. Mill, the Mill. Sutter Mill. Sutter's, thank you. <laughs> Staying in the Sutter Freedom Plot over there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I've just cut. To carry off of uh, what you guys were talking about uh, with Saquon before I get to my two points, uh, I think Saquon, I think, uh, you know, of course, you guys say this, this is, uh, the biggest problem is to keep him healthy. I think the way you keep him healthy is to, is to have Saquon play within himself. My biggest concern for Saquon is that he's his own worst enemy and that he tries to do too much. And uh, that's how you want him to play, though, isn't it? I mean, you want him putting it all out there on the field. I mean, the play he got injured on last year was a simple, like, he just got dragged down on a a run. It wasn't anything crazy. His his cleat got caught in the turf. Yeah. I mean, well, I understand that. But uh, the other thing is, is you're you're trying to leap over, uh, you know, linemen and uh, and defensive people and putting your body uh, up. What do you want him to do? Slide like a quarterback? No, no. I want him to go, go, go uh, head first, shoulder first, make contact, and get out of bounds, and, and live for the next play. That's that's uh, that's my opinion. Yeah, and I get where you're where you're coming from, but at the same time, you know that electricity and those explosive plays are the reasons why we drafted Saquon Barkley. And as he gets later in his right. career, just like the players that I played with, whether it was. Ahmad Bradshaw or Tiki Barber, as you get later into your career, you know when you can get those extra yards and when you can't, when you shouldn't take the hit or when you should get out of bounds. Those are all things you continue to learn. I hope, and I guess I hope to accelerate that learning process. (laughs) (laughs) Tom, that's fair. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, a couple things. My sleeper pick for this year, Mm -hmm. uh, Sam Deal, Sam Beal. Okay. Uh, I feel okay. as though uh, he's, 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 he's kind of in the back there working his way forward. And here's my big, uh, uh, my big bold prediction. Giants are not only going to win the division, they're going to win the Super Bowl. Why All do right. I say that? Why do I say that? Because I think they have a defense that's in the top five. I think Pat, Pat Graham is going to be like a, a kid in the candy store with what he's got back there. We have an offense that's good enough, but the real difference, the big difference maker, in my opinion, is the coaching. I really believe that the coaching here is, is probably the best in the league. I like the way Coach Judge conducts his business. I like the way he brings in alumni. He brings, you know, and, and as the guys go to the Hall of Fame, the respect he shows them, uh, the whole locker room atmosphere, and I believe they have the ability to deal with the problems as they come up, meaning mostly injuries, and that be able, they'll be able to figure it all out. Because guess what? I think they have a very versatile uh, roster. 
awesome. uh, they can go many, many different directions. Thank that's you, Tom. It, gentlemen. Thank you, Thanks Tom. Thanks for all, man. And you know what? If that's my Bye. last bold prediction of the preseason, Giants win the Super Bowl. We'll take it. That's a good way to close it out. Dave, just real quickly on Judge before we say goodbye. Just the way he runs his program reminds me a lot of the way Tom Coughlin did things here. Yeah. I don't know if it does for you, too. But, look, the whole structure just works. We'll see about the results, obviously, and that's, in the end, what matters. But the method seems right to me. No doubt about it. I mean, talk about building a tough team, a disciplined team, and a team that'll sacrifice the me for the we. And that's the same type of philosophy that Joe Judge is bringing to this football team and to this roster, and the players love him. He can coach the hell out of him on the field, <laughs> and you can hug him off of the field. That's the type of relationship he has with that roster. Dave, it was a pleasure. Thank you, Johnny. And Dave will be with us every week. I believe after this week it's going to be Tuesdays, right, Dave? I think so, yeah. I think right. Tuesdays. So Dave and I will be with you on Tuesdays. We may have Lance with us a couple days on those Tuesdays as well. As we move forward here on Big Blue Kickoff Live on Giants.com, the Giants mobile app, and, of course, the archive of this show and all of our podcasts, including the Giants Huddle Podcast, they are on all popular podcast platforms. And by the way, check out the All In NYG podcast. Yes, sir. The most recent episode that just launched today is Ahmad Bradshaw and Brandon, Brandon Jacobs, Jacobs yep. which is, as you imagine, colorful. I could imagine, yes. <laughs> very, very interesting. And then the episode number two, the one that aired last week, was Dave with Chrisney. Kevin Booth and Kareem McKenzie yep. with the O-line. That was yeah. a lot of fun, Dave. A lot of fun. Brought back some great memories, to say the least. So make sure you guys go check that out. That's on the Giants Huddle Podcast via the All-In NYG Podcast presented by PNC Private Bank. For David Dio, I'm John Schmelk. We'll see you next time on Big Blue Kickoff Live.